Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 70 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, J.B. Brubaker of August Burns Red discusses his first band, and I recommend the Houston, Texas band, Anova Skyway. Before all that, I welcome Paolo Gregoletto to the show. Paolo is the bassist of the band Trivium, who were another band and a line of recent guests who were incredibly influential on me in my musical development. He came on the show to discuss Trivium's new album, What the Dead Men Say, the COVID-19 shelter-in-place life in Chicago, the possibility of another Roadrunner United collaboration, and a lot more. So before we dive in with Paolo, here are some of the title track from What the Dead Men Say by Trivium. What the Dead Men Say Hey, how you doing? Not too bad, man. How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, just uh, scrolling along uh, on the internet today, uh, catching up on all the drama and things. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm uh, pretty much doing the same. That has become my life as of late around quote working from home. But yeah, how's how's your? Uh, I don't know what Florida's got going. We've got a shelter in place here. Do you have anything official? Yeah. Uh, well, I actually I live up in Chicago right oh, now. Oh, my apologies. And, uh, we have the we have the uh, I guess shelter in place going on. Florida, I don't know. I think it'll be the last one to do anything. So <laughs> yeah, kind they, of, uh, I keep seeing all the the beaches being open and you know spring breakers and hopefully that's yeah. died down a lot. But you know, insane. Yeah, yeah, yes, craziness. So what have you been doing to pass the time in during your shelter in place? Um, I mean, mainly there's been a lot of press because obviously the new record uh, coming out next month. Um, today we're doing a Q&A with uh, the director of the first two videos from the record. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, of course, you know, everything kind of had to go online. since touring is pretty much halted at the moment. And I'm not sure if Alex and I can even get to, I mean, I'm sure we could get to Orlando to do some stuff. But I don't know. That's kind of up in the air. Uh, with the way things are going. So, you know, we're, we we would like to be playing shows. We'd like to, you know, if possible, we could definitely do some, like, live streaming shows because we've been doing that for, like, the last three years. So we have all the gear and all the stuff set up and ready to go. It's just, uh, you know, getting us all in one place at a rehearsal spot if we could do it. But for now, we're, we're doing stuff online together. We'll, we're going to make do with what we got. And it's probably early now, but how do you feel about the June tour? with uh, Megadeth and others? Yeah, I mean, it's really going to come down to, um, you know, all of the bands being confident that we could tour safely, that it's safe for fans, and, you know, a lot of that stuff's outside of our hands. And I think Live Nation will probably be the one that makes uh, makes that call soon, you know, whether it's... I think everyone's just kind of in that, like, holding position where it's like you don't really know what to say, Um I think it's definitely not going to be something that like goes away overnight. You know, it's going to be really down to like how things are managed and if there can be like a good plan to like deal with a thing going on so that life can sort of resume, you know, somewhat normally. But I don't know. It's tough. 
and uh, it sucks because I want to play shows, and especially with the record coming out, really excited for it, and people seem to be really responding to the first two songs, so you know, we hope we can just get out and play some soon, soon enough. And speaking of uh, a plan, uh, back on the 10th, you tweeted, I will destroy COVID-19. How's that going for, for you and the rest of the world, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, at the moment, not working out well. Shit. So we'll uh, <laughs> have to get back to the drawing board. What's your plan yeah. of how to destroy it? Like, I'm assuming you've got uh, lasers, maybe? Uh... Gonna, I don't know, I'm going to online bully it or something. <laughs> you tell sick, it to stop. You could stick your dogs on it. They seem pretty vicious. Yeah, I mean, that would be that'd be good. I wish they could. I mean, they're immune to it at least at the moment, so maybe they can. We can go after it and take it on. <laughs> Let the dogs run things while humans stay inside. That's yeah. probably a better idea. We've had a good enough run. We could just step aside for a bit. I like yeah. that idea. Uh, I saw a tweet recently about your dogs and you starting a podcast. Is that what you're setting up when you're working from home? <laughs> um, I, I'm not doing any uh, podcasting, but I do have a setup to where I can like. You know, for the the live stream stuff, I can be a part of that and have the the, the high quality video and stuff. So uh, I figured I might as well get all that stuff organized while uh, we're stuck inside, having to kind of do an album launch from online. And uh, how did you meet your dogs? Because they're all over your Twitter and they're goddamn adorable. Yes. Thank you. Uh, well. Um, first dog lady is my girlfriend's dog which she got when she was living in georgia um and then mochi our our new dog is a rescue that we got um from like a local rescue here in chicago and uh yeah there's pretty much just two rescue dogs but they're great full personality in life and uh definitely beats you know not having dogs when you're stuck inside for indefinite amount of time uh, makes things a little more interesting. And uh, which one of those two murdered the Grinch? And is that uh, is that the new one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, late lady did. She's the uh, she likes to rip things, thrash things around. Well, as a rescue, you can't really blame them for quirks they they yeah. come with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we like it. <laughs> uh, to switch gears completely and talk about the the new record, uh, what the Denmans Denmen mm-hmm. say is the ninth album from Trivium and. Uh, how would you say the band's approach to this album is different than when you were with when you first joined with Ascendancy? Um, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, um, this record and that record kind of, I'd say our writing has kind of come full circle where I think we really are a lot more about being in the rehearsal room together writing um, as opposed to just like, you know, kind of coming in with ideas on our laptops and then kind of just learning the songs as is and just proceeding to go into the studio and just kind of work with it there. I think we put a lot more time into it. And when we first started, it's like, you know, there was none of the technology to really record stuff as easily as it is now. So you're kind of forced to just go in there and just like learn the songs and like rehearse them over and over again until you got it down. And so we we sort of apply that same method to the songs we do now. I just think we have a lot like, we have a, like a greater understanding of how to get like a song like beginning to like a finished product a lot more like especially on our own and you know now I think you know when we work with a producer it's like we're bringing in like the songs 80 90 percent done as opposed to like you know back in the day it was like you know we'd have these like rough ideas and you know Jason would help us out to kind of like 
figure out like some parts and like how to rearrange things. And, you know, luckily having done this for almost 15 years with like all these great producers, like you learn the tricks, you kind of learn how to do things over time. And so we're a lot more self-sufficient and, you know, we're just always rehearsing. So we're always kind of have the ideas kicking around when we're there. And was this like pre-writing approach, like before you come to the studio, why the drums were done last, which is not something I would have thought of before? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, this was kind of a thing that Josh, uh, the producer, does sometimes and kind of an option. He, he kind of, he can do it both ways because like the last record we did the drums first um, just because it's you know, we were in one studio the entire time tracking. This time we, we separated it. We were doing drums out in L.A., and we were doing the rest of the stuff in Orlando. So it just made sense to try it out. And it was actually really awesome because it was like, you know, we had Alex come down. You know, we have been doing our re- rehearsals and writing sessions before that. But like, you know, Alex was down in the beginning of it. And then, you know, the first day or two is just like we kind of go through the songs with Josh, you know, make any little changes we need with Alex there. Alex played on an electric kit. We have the song mapped out. And then... Um, we pretty much just record everything. And then once we got to the end, went out to LA and, and Alex did all the finished drums, the real drums like last. And it was like really cool process to do. And I think it was cool because like you always could make a change if you wanted to last minute, especially structurally. It's a lot easier when the drums aren't finished because like if drums are done you're kind of set with what you got, it's hard to, you know, go back and change anything. So it, it left a lot of room open, even though we didn't really need to change too much on the spot. But there was a couple parts where, you know, maybe we added like an extra, like, I don't know, a whole extra part, like a, you know, like a bar of like a stop or something. And it's like, instead of having a drum part, you have to like chop up and try to like surgically piece together. It was like, we didn't have to do that yet because drums weren't done. And when you're going in and changing up things slightly, are you, are you working with like a superior drummer pattern where you're able just to go in and poke with a mouse and make it happen? Or is it uh, some other form of that program? Well, yeah, well, Alex, when Alex, like, he like tracked it like on the electric kit and um, Josh had his superior drummer plug-in set up because he's got like his own like packs of that program. So we, we were able to just have like, you know, good sounding electric drums. It didn't sound like super fake or anything but uh it was mainly just you know for us to kind of like all of the rehearsal we had done like Alex pretty much had his parts down so like we were playing to the final you know the parts he was going to play but um you know it was like the electric kit version of it as opposed to like you know the real one he did at the end but uh it was cool because I I think it was nice for Alex because it was usually the drummer is playing to like the scratch tracks and like this time he's playing to like the finished version of the song, which is really cool. It probably informs like fills and whatnot a little better when you can hear exactly what guitars are doing. Yeah, totally. I mean the fills and I think even sonically you kind of know like what you're fitting the drums to. And uh, that was definitely a nice, nice thing to have. Uh, I saw there are a couple songs that are tied to the new Mortal Kombat game. How did that wind up happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a connection through Roadrunner who works with uh, Mortal Kombat and, um, you know, helps them with, like, some of their, their music needs and stuff for the game. So that was an opportunity that came up. And, you know, we were, like, totally into it because Mortal Kombat's, like, childhood favorite game. And 
Spawn is a favorite comic. So the fact that we had like both those things combined in one project like that was awesome. And I was stoked they wanted to use some of the new music. And uh, seeing it in the trailer was really a trip. Uh, who was your fighter growing up? Um, I remember using Scorpion quite a bit. I feel like Scorpion and Sub-Zero a lot, but uh, Raiden as well. Those are like the three that I like. Sub-Zero was the only person who I knew how to do any of the special moves, so i just freeze people. Yeah, they, they had like, a Scorpion and Sub-Zero had good like basic like like moves you could do like pretty easily, I feel like with the, like, the ice and stuff, which definitely was like a nice, you know, especially like at the arcade and stuff, like I feel like doing the moves in the arcade was like a lot harder than like, uh, you know, using the control. The lovely little pad. Uh, what would your fatality be if you had one, if you were a fighter yourself? Uh, I would let uh, my dogs loose and they would rip them apart. (laughs) And with that as your fatality, I can imagine, what would your friendship be? Oh, Oh, I forgot about, I totally forgot about that. Or Bay Ballad, either um, one. <laughs> yeah, Friendship. I forgot those, I forgot it did, was that Was that Mortal Kombat 2 or 3 that did that? It's, I think maybe 3. But yeah, yeah there's a I couple totally other about weird that. things. Yeah, oh, I don't know. Hmm. Your dogs would lick their face and they'd have a nice yeah, day. <laughs> yeah, could, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the good or bad version of, of the dogs. <laughs> uh, a side thing, uh, kind of tied to Mortal Kombat, I don't know how big of a podcast guy you are, but there's this one out there called Mortal Podcast where it's just this comedian writer who just talks about the lore of the game at his guests. And really? The lore of these games are so deep, and this guy knows all of it offhand, Damn. and I highly recommend it. Damn, that's cool. Yeah, I, I would actually check that out because that's... Uh... I would like to kind of dive back into it because I'm like, I definitely was massively into those games uh, back in the day, you know, so I'd like to hear a little bit more about it. Maybe things I didn't even know then. Uh, he interviews the <clears throat> one of the creators at one point, but it's for the most part, it's all just crazy story stuff. That's awesome. That was a gunshot to the head of trepidation from the album Ascendancy by Trivium. I'll have more with Paolo in just a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and this episode, J.B. Brubaker from August Burns Red discusses his heavy origins. I don't have a really boring answer for you. My first band was August Burns Red. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this happen a couple well, times, but like in the very earliest yeah. days, what did it sound like that may be different from what it sounds like now, I guess? Okay, sure. When we started out, we were super incompetent at our instruments. We had a, a four or five song demo that we put out that I don't think a lot of people have heard, and for good reason. It's absolutely atrocious. But the a, a funny story is that our our first five songs were written with me having a broken wrist um, on my left hand, so I couldn't do a lot as far as 
playing stuff on my fretboard. I played a lot of the like sliding octave chords around and just chugging, and it was just very simplistic, juvenile, terrible music. I mean, we were <laughs> we were just atrocious when we started, but we were young and had no idea what we were doing, and it was it was the first band for basically uh, over half the band had never been in a band before, so. Um, we had to start somewhere, I guess. I love that you had a broken wrist, but you guys couldn't delay recording the demo until you healed. Just had to get to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, I was so terrible at guitar, there wasn't much I could have done, even if I didn't have that cast on my wrist. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, I, was, I had only been playing for like a year at that point. I was so pretty new to the instrument. I bet anyone that heard it, it's like, oh man, this guy's pretty good for someone with a broken wrist, but little did they know, that was the peak. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would uh, if I had known what August Burns would have turned into, I, I wouldn't have also been very surprised. Guardians by August Burns Red is out now. Grab a copy over at augustburnsred.com and keep up with the band at facebook.com slash augustburnsred. Now, before I wrap up my chat with Paolo from Trivium, here is a bit of The Catastrophist from Trivium's, from Trivium's upcoming album, What the Dead Men Say. Press photos for this new album have you in a rather cozy Bane-esque coat. Were you able to keep that jacket, or is that one of your own? Yeah, I did. Uh, that was actually the photographer's, and I paid him for it. Oh, what is the, uh, what is the jacket like, like man, on you? Just, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't... He, like, a lot of us, like, we had, um... Like, we had a, like, a, a stylist person come, because, like, one thing we've learned over the years is, like, you know if you leave it up to us, it's like, we just always wear, you know, black pretty much. And we're like, well, we'd like to have a little bit more, you know, depth and color to like the pictures and stuff. Cause we, you know, we had a lot of ideas of what we wanted to use. And so we had someone that we've worked before on some of the other videos and she helped like bring out some stuff, but he also had stuff as a photographer and he was about the same height as me. He had some cool shit. And I saw that jacket and I tried it on. I'm like, damn, it fits good. And I like, I asked him like what it was. It was like a Levi's jacket, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, like just see if I can find it on there. And I couldn't find it online. It was like sold out 
uh, like, you know, one of those like jackets that came out a few years ago and like sold out. And he, I think he had got it at like a thrift store or something. And so I, by the end of the photo shoot, I was like, Hey, like, you know, cause some of the other stuff, like when the, the stylist picked out stuff, like if there was something we wanted to keep, we could just keep it. And then it would just, we'd, you know, pretty much it would go onto the budget of like whatever we had paid. Otherwise it would go back to the store or something, but this was his personal thing. So I was like, Hey, you know, like we make a deal here. So. I got it for like a good, like, you know, it wasn't too much, something under a hundred bucks maybe, but you know, it was a good, nice fitting jacket and I needed a new one. Either leather jacket I've been wearing for like the last 10 years is kind of fading. So <laughs> had to re-up the jacket game. And were, were you surprised the first time being in a metal band when you encountered a stylist? Uh, well, yeah, like the first time we ever had it, you know, if you look at our old pictures, like ascendancy and stuff like you know, we didn't really have a, like, a say in a lot of that stuff, like, because we just didn't know people, we didn't know things, you know, so we kind of worked with whoever, and I feel like back then, there was just definitely not, like, we didn't have, like, this sort of, like, unified, like, this is our look, you know, we're, like, just dudes that wore, like, cargo shorts and jeans and black shirts, and, you know, <laughs> the ascendancy photos are funny, because it's, like, we're wearing all these, like, weird colors and just stuff we, like, none of us ever really wore, but, you know, we're just like, well, it's the stylist, you know, this is the, the label paying for it. So, you know, we'll use the person. This is what, you know, this is how it is being in a band. And, you know, we learned quickly after a little bit like, oh, you, you know, you can actually kind of like have a little bit more of a say if you know what you want. And so as we kind of learned over time, you know, it's more hands on we are with that kind of stuff, the better things look and the happier people are in the end when it's all said and done. Plus, you get some sweet threads out of it at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, you got to pay for it technically, so I mean, it, it all kind of gets paid for. But it's a good way of like having cool stuff, you know, that you don't have to go to the store for. And you're like, oh, I would have never been able to find this. I wouldn't know where to find it. So, yeah, that was nice. Uh, if you wind up being allowed to tour this year, do you think you, there'd be a chance yeah. of some ascendancy in full shows since it's the fiftieth anniversary, or, or is Trivium even a band that would do a in full sure? Um, yeah, I don't think we'll do a full show or anything. I would like to add in a couple songs from the record, like maybe some deeper cuts, but I mean, the, the touring we have coming up, like the Lamb of God, Megadeth tour, you know, I don't think we're going to have long enough to really get too into the weeds with our back catalog. Um, but you know, we'll see if there's like an opportunity that comes up where it would be possible, you know, maybe, but I, I really don't think we would. We've, We've kind of shied away from that doing the 10 and 15 year. Uh, well, now we're getting into the 15 year thing, but like, you know, we, we will celebrate it. Like usually, you know, we talk about it and like maybe do some interviews and we put out special like merch and stuff like for the anniversaries. Like we did a big one for the Shogun 10th anniversary, which is really cool. Got like a collector poster made and, you know, two different shirts made and that was cool. But I think it's like, We'll see. Maybe when we get to 20, if we get to 20 and people are like, you know, Ascendancy is like a, an album that like is a must, you know, listen to album 20 years later, like one of those that kind of holds up over that long of a time period. I could see us doing something, but I think the main focus has just been like to keep pushing forward, keep trying to make new music that connects and resonates with people. And I'm kind of glad we have. I feel like it's made us have to try to like write better stuff you know you don't really have to rest on the nostalgia stuff we have to kind of rely on ourselves writing new music 
And uh, do you guys have a hard time balancing your set to kind of appease old and new fans? Or are you just like, mm-hmm. how, how is that with nine albums? Yeah, it's definitely just tricky just having nine albums, like, first off. And then secondly, like, I feel like the new, I mean, not, uh, the newest record is, of course, still coming out. But the last record, like, really, like, resonated with, like, all of our fans, I feel like, across the board. So, like, a lot of people really wanted new stuff to be played. So that kind of was, like, a really different thing. You know, I feel like, you know, maybe the two records before that people were like, okay, like, you know, maybe a song or two would be cool to hear, but like, of course I want to hear a little bit more from maybe in waves or Shogun or fantasy, you know, being kind of like definite fan favorites, like across the board. But, you know, now with the new stuff kind of really connecting, it's like, okay, well, what like old stuff do we leave off now to play the new stuff that people like? So it's kind of a balancing act. And, you know, I think, um, it's it's a great problem to have and uh you know getting into this many records you're just like wow like uh, an hour and a half set just doesn't even feel like it's enough anymore cut to a trivium evening with sets like uh machine head yeah 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 i don't know like if we would do an evening with but it feels like we need an evening with to like play the amount of songs we need (laughs) right um last no no two years ago when you were in my general area it was when that uh the tour where matt had to leave and howard jones was doing a lot of songs with you guys uh could you see bringing him in for maybe a guest spot on something at some point um yeah i mean it's definitely always possible we've uh we've actually never had um any guests on our record the only one being that jason sukoff played a solo or two on ascendancy but that was like, I feel like Jason always, I don't know if he still does it, but like whenever Jason worked with the band, he'd always get a solo on like a record because he's a sick guitar player. But other than him, like no one's ever outside of Trivium has ever played on a record. So I don't know, maybe, I don't know if we'll ever break that that thing, but um, you know, maybe for something special, it would be really cool. Like maybe we do like a, a side EP or something where we just like work with some of our favorite artists you know like a roadrunner united but it's just us and we get to work with like people we like a lot (laughs) dude i think about roadrunner united all the time it's kind of a problem yeah we've we've uh you know we've always told them like they should definitely do another thing at some point would be awesome i mean there's been so many new bands in the on the roster now that you could really like shake it up and do some really different stuff some unique stuff i think i'd kickstart that (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we always bring it up, and we actually asked King Diamond when we finally met him uh, at a show we did together in Poland, this festival. We asked him, we're like, hey, if we if we write a follow up to the uh, was it in the fire, like, would you be down for that? And he said he would. So we'll. Uh, that you sounds know, like that'd your... be something that'd be really fun to do. That sounds like your first guest spot right there. Yeah, I mean, that would be a fun thing. Like, if he definitely, if we could definitely get him to commit to that, which I I think he would do it, because, you know, we just write the music and send it over to him, and, you know, I think he's got, like, a studio at his house, so it probably wouldn't be, you know, super hard for him to pull off a, you know, he's, like, it's probably, probably easy for him at this point to do <laughs> to do his thing, so um, that would be really cool. So maybe, you know, maybe we'll just do our own Roadrunner United thing and just, like, you know, pick out the guys we want to work with and stuff like that and do a thing separate from a Trivium record, you know, and have fun with it. Trivium United. It's got a ring to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll like, come up with our own EP. I'm sure 
I'm sure if we did the same concept as Roadrunner United, except that we're just a house band, I'm sure we could probably pull it off. <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. Over the years, Trivium has covered a lot of songs by like Iron Maiden, Typo Negative, R.E.M., and some others. Has there been a song that you mm-hmm. guys tried to do your own spin on and it just didn't work for one reason or the other? Um, like that we recorded or like that we tried to record? Uh, that you tried to just piece together your own way. You maybe mm-hmm. even got to record and it just fell flat for some reason. Um, hmm. Trying to think off the top of my head. Um, I, I don't think so. I feel like everything we did, like, we, you know, would have made it to the record. I, I feel like I'm trying to, I just can't think of something that we started and it didn't work, but it, it definitely could, there could have been something. I mean, you know, there's been talks of like stuff like joke ideas over the years where it like, you know, never got off the ground because this is like, oh yeah, we, we're not going to do that or something. So, I think, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, if we didn't feel like we could do it, we just didn't even start it. Like, if it just didn't feel like there was going to be something there that we could work with. That makes sense. Uh, so when you, like, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but when you Google some things, occasionally there's a little box that mm-hmm. pops up that says, people also ask. So I've gotten the habit yeah. of poking those a bunch to see what strange questions come up. And I did one of those searches for Trivium. And I want to ask you some of those questions as somebody from the inside that would know these answers. So mm-hmm. these are questions pulled from Google that people have asked about Trivium. First one, is Trivium a metalcore? Um, is Trivium a metalcore band? No, um, no it does I, not know, say yeah. band. It does not say band. It stops at uh, metalcore, question mark. <laughs> so I just have to answer that. I mean, I guess uh, part of us is a metalcore, so I guess so. Is an art is an arts degree a waste of time? Is an arts degree? Yeah. Um, so this is just the Google thing that like kind of clicks down. Yep. This is like a one tier down for some reason. This came up. Okay. Oh, I guess like maybe with the trivium, the the meaning of it. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't think any degree really is. I'm like, I think the purpose of. Uh, College should be to just learn everything and learn about yourself and the world. So I, I wouldn't ever say that anyone's, you know, work is is a waste of time. And final one of these things is Trivium a good band? Um, I think uh, most of the time we are. Cool. <laughs> I think uh, you know, we've, a couple times some records maybe are a little stronger than others, but I think, uh, you know, when you sum it all up, I think we've had a lot of really killer records and I think we're a really great live band, especially with Alex in the band. So I I would say so now. Well done. Asked and answered. Uh, so I've only got a couple (laughs) more questions for you. Uh, are you surprised this whole trapped thing is still going on? Oh, I, I kind of started, that kind of started up again. I don't know if you've seen my, Uh, I I saw you tweeted something about like an hour ago. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know, it's really funny. I think he's, uh, I just find the dude, like, posting from the official bank account so funny. And, like, people that take themselves that serious, like, it's just always going to be funny. And I just, like, you know, I kind of put out some tweets because I wanted him to reply to me so I could just get it going. And, (laughs) you know, he totally took the bait, you know, and now it's just nonstop. And just everything the fans say is so funny. People are so so mean and stuff and i just it's a it's like comedy it's like comedy show like i i can't even watch normal comedy anymore because this shit's just too much 
too like way more funny to me and it's uh i'm sure it's gonna keep going i'm sure like when i get back on there he's gonna have posted a million things about his their pandora stats which is like the newest thing to me that is just hysterical yeah, um, of all things to pull but yeah <laughs> yeah it's really random and i just you know that's like one of those things of like he uh, you know he takes his stuff very serious and you know he's just one of those dudes he's just going going off in there you know he, like living those lyrics to the the you know exact t like headstrong he can take on anyone <laughs> and he literally is he's on twitter literally taking everyone on and like i at least respect that he lives by his lyrics that's uh that's that's nice actually yeah, I've I've I followed you for a while, and you go hard on Twitter sometimes when people come at you. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, you know, I was a uh, one of those kids in school that you know would get in trouble a lot for talking back to teachers and doing things that I wasn't supposed to. So I guess uh, I've just continued it. Now uh, no one can stop me <laughs> unless <laughs> unless Twitter shuts me down. So that's it. That's my only the only thing that's going to shut me down is is the internet gods themselves. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me today. Uh, I've heard the, yeah, new, I've heard the record. I think it's great. I'm looking forward to thank eventually you. when you're out on the road and hopefully that things work out there and uh, seeing these yeah, tracks live. You. So thank uh, you very much. Have a good one. Thank right, you. you as well. Thanks. What the Dead Men Say by Trivium will be released on April 24th via Roadrunner Records. You can pre-order a copy now over at trivium.org. And then, of course, facebook.com slash trivium for dates and other fun stuff from the band. Okay, now to conclude this episode, I'm going to recommend the band Anova Skyway. Anova Skyway are a quintet from Houston, Texas that play progressive metal that toes the line of metalcore. The band has already released two full albums, and later this year they are going to release an EP. From that forthcoming EP, the title of which is to be announced... Here is the lead single, Diet of Worms, in its entirety.
get Diet of Worms by Nova Skyway now over at novaskyway.bandcamp.com. There you can also keep an eye out for when the aforementioned EP is released. Then follow the band over at facebook.com slash Band. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening and invite you to head over to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. There, if you're in a band, you can hit me up if you want to be on the show. Also, facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal, Twitter at underscore farbeyondmetal, farbeyondmetalpod on Instagram. And then the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Centrometer Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.